Assemble! We don't mess around. We don't waste time. Over here at His Hard Line. Let's go! Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Welcome to the show. Let's get started. Greetings and salutations to all you ladies and gentlemen out there. I am Jason, your co-host with our sovereign Lord and Savior Jesus Christ at our side because he is the host with the most. He is in charge and he is in the captain's chair and at the helm and behind the wheel and therefore he is steering our great ship. Through these crazy waters, these rough waters that we call life. So welcome to his hard line. Excuse me for a second while I adjust some levels here on my mixing board. Just sounds just a little odd. There we go. I think we got what I needed here. Uh, maybe. Hold on. All right. I swear somebody's messing with my buttons here. Today is Monday, June 26, 2023. It is Monday, June 26, 2023, and you are listening to episode 566, Fictions of Law, and we are going to be doing a reading out of 2 Peter chapter 1 out of the three chapters that are in there. So I hope everybody is having a good day, good Monday so far, and everybody had a good, safe weekend. Sorry for being about five, six minutes late. We were just on a phone call. Um... It's been an interesting weekend. We had our Michigan General General Assembly state face-to-face state meeting. That was quite interesting. Um, We had our elections. Um, Very, very interesting stuff. And we have another uh, state meeting here because typically election time for the assembly, we always have our meeting on the last Saturday of June because then those that got elected have to swear in and then they take on their office july 4th and then that's when those new positions the people that you know got those positions they assume their office all right so and then we have another state meeting on the second tuesday which is typically when they begin the second tuesday or the second saturday of the month so we got another state meeting in just a couple weeks so not this weekend but the following weekend so it's going to be it's going to be a quite it's still going to be quite busy we got a lot of stuff that we have going on and quite frankly it's very exciting time It is very, very, very exciting time. So anyways, um, 
Remember, as I always say periodically on this podcast, I am not a doctor. I don't wear a white coat. I don't play one on TV. I don't pretend or any of that nonsense. I'm not a financial advisor. You'll go broke if you listen to me. I'm not a pastor, priest, deacon, or biblical scholar or a bar lawyer, nor do I hold any title of nobility. I don't give out legal advice. I'm also not the official face or voice of the national, state, or county assemblies. And additionally, I do not advocate for violence, and I am my own man, and the opinions, thoughts, and statements are of my own unless I reference other material, and it just dawned on me. I should add a few other things on here, like I am not a state national, I am not part of RUSA, nor am I any follower of David Strait or Bobby Lawrence. I, I think I should add that on there because that's pretty important. People need to know who I'm not affiliated with because, uh, you know, there's a lot of trickery out there, a lot of scumbags out there that want to, you know, play pretend and uh, deceive people. You know what I mean? So I think I might have to add that in there. I think that might not be a bad idea. I think I'm going to add that on tomorrow's show. Now that I think about it, um, not a bad idea. So anyway, um, boy, there's so many things I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to try to stay on task. So first off, um, let's just uh, say hello to some of the regulars. So we've got my beautiful wife in the house, Katie. Um, I never call her Katie, so to call her by her first name just seems very unnatural and very weird. It's either babe or, uh, hey, wife. So it's either babe or, hey, wife. <laughs> so she's in the house. I see we got Angie. I see we got Terry and company. We got Leslie Liberty, Rietta. D. Schuster, um, and I'm sure, I don't know if Donnie is listening in. I know he has his own podcast, but uh, but anyways, just wanted to say howdy to some of the regulars here. So today, what I want to go over, so again, today's title of the show is called Fiction of Law, and it's from the Book of the Hundreds, okay, the Book of the Hundreds, and if you're wondering where you could find that at, I did post a link on my Telegram page. But you can go to national-assembly.net and go to the forums, and then you click that little magnifying glass, which represents the search bar, and you type in hundreds. That's it, like a $100 bill, but add an S to it, hundreds. And it'll come up, and there's a post by a woman by the name of Linda, and you click on that, and there should be a PDF, a PDF file. You click on that, and that should be the book of the hundreds. It's a long read, but it is a good read, especially if you're trying to learn more about the history of the assembly, where it came about, where we're going with it. A lot of our train-to-trainer information has been derived from this book of the hundreds. It's an interesting read. I would recommend anybody, especially those that are in the assembly, especially if you're a good member in the assembly, you should go and read it. If you're not a good member of the assembly, I'm going to tell you the information is going to be way over your head because God will not allow you to decipher the information that's in there. Because if you have ill intent in your heart, you're not going to be able to understand a darn thing in there. So reprobates need not apply. So with all that said, today we're going to dig in to a little, uh, a little into the teachings of Simon Peter. First off, when we get into that reading for, you know, second Peter chapter one. Um, and Simon Peter was a bond servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he wrote in the second book of his epistle, right? Now, before we begin with that, we're going to reflect a little bit on the fictions of law because the fictions of law, and I posted, I think I did, boy, memory serving me improper now. 
I believe I posted three photos on Telegram and True Social, which was the section from the Book of the Hundreds that uh, we're going to be discussing today. And I posted that on there so this way you didn't have to go searching for it. So remember, anytime I reference anything out of the Book of the Hundreds, which has been written by many authors, I will take screenshots and put them on Telegram and True Social so you know exactly what I'm referencing in case you want to read it beforehand, before the show. So again, but again, before we begin, you know, the reflect, I want to reflect a little bit on the fictions of law that have infiltrated our understanding and the perceived norms that we think should exist based on what we've been taught our whole lives, generation after generation. Oh, I see we get Destry in the house from up there in great, great white Alaska. What's going on? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, and my mom, she shows up. Coastal Runner, welcome to the house. It's funny, Coastal Runner and D Payne here arrive at the same time. Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And so, again, what I will be reading from today, because I'm going to read from this little section from the Book of the Hundreds, uh, which is the fiction of law. So we're going to be reading from that today. And um, like I said, it's just a small little portion. And this section is actually called, like I said, fiction of law. And again, its authors are the unprofitable, dedicated bond servants to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our sovereign, excuse me, our sovereign Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. And these writings come from extensive research and digging all for the sake of helping free men and women from the chains of the elites by helping us understand who we really are and to help us to start learning the real truth of what really is and where we're going in this world. Now, these fictions, which have been woven into our legal system and societal norms, have blurred the lines between righteousness and an ungodliness, faithfulness, and paganism. And they have shaped our perception of what it means to be a man or a woman, intertwining us all in a web of false categorization. Um, Destry was just saying right here in the chat, he's been listening to the book of the hundreds with his text to voice app while he's at work. So if you don't have time to read 300 plus pages, you can find apps and actually have the audio or have the text be read to you. So that is a way to do it as well for those that are really busy. That's what I've been doing myself. I'm already on page like 250 out of the 300 plus pages that are there. But um, <clears throat> with this reading, there have been some voices from the past, like Robert L. Dabney, who recognized that when we embrace the yoke of Christ, we end up transcending our mere existence here on earth, right? And no longer, we are no longer bound by the limitations of being a human being or a man, as I like to say. I don't really like the term human, which we'll get into that, but... You know, we become partakers of the divine nature, right? Liberated from the corruption of the world and its alluring temptations. Everything that evil, everything that Satan and the, you know, and his legion of demons have laid out. You know, laid out the snares for us to get caught in. But let us not stop there. Because we're going to be turning our attention to 
the words first off before we get further in this discussion in you know the words of Simon Peter in Second Peter, who urges us to add to our faith virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Because in this path of spiritual growth, we must cast aside the fictions that have entangled our understanding, and we have to embrace the truth revealed in the prophetic word. Because it's not through the cleverly divisible fables of humanity that we find our purpose and destiny, but through the divine power of God, right? And so as we embark on this journey, we all need to remember the words of Hosea when he warned us about the consequences of rejecting knowledge and succumbing to the ways of the ungodly. Because we must reject compromise and rise above the lawless activities that entice us. Because we need to remember, we're called to a higher calling, to a you know to be a a priesthood a, a a priesthood spoken against. And so we're going to end up navigating the intertwining paths of the scripture here that we're going to be reading in Second Peter chapter one, and how it intertwines with the fictions of law while we try to seek clarity amidst this confusion that we, that we're dealing with, because we you know that it's important that we need to cast off these chains of compromise and prepare ourselves for the ultimate union with our Lord and savior. And so within the pages of second Peter and the echoes of the fictions of law, we will find the truth that we are seeking. Now, Let's get into the reading, and then we'll get into the fictions of law. So uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, this has 21 verses, nothing too crazy. And it says, Simon Peter, a bondservant, and, and I'm reading, first off, let me re, re, uh, back up for a second. I'm reading out of the New King James Version, by the way. New King James Version for anybody that's wondering. So verse 1, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, as we get into this next section, we're going to be talking about fruitful growth in the faith, starting with verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, perseverance, to godliness, and to godliness, to brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he has cleansed from his old sins. He was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice, which came from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Amen. That is 2 Peter chapter 1. And again, there's only three chapters in this book, which is why we're going to do that. So, a little summary. So, what are some of the key takeaways that we can learn from what we just read? Well, one of the first things that we can take away from this is the importance of faith. That's a given because Peter emphasizes the value of precious faith obtained through Jesus Christ's righteousness. And faith, we need to remember, folks, faith is the foundation of a believer's relationship with God. The second takeaway is the provision of divine power. Because God's divine power has granted believers everything necessary for life and godliness. Through knowledge of him, believers can experience his provision and escape the corrupting influences of the world. The third takeaway is the call to spiritual growth. See, Peter encourages his belie the believers to diligently add virtues to their faith. Kind of like patience. You know how you we've always probably heard growing up as a kid, oh, patience is a virtue. That's one of those ones I never cared for, but it is. But this growth involves cultivating qualities such as virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Another takeaway from this is the assurance of salvation, knowing that we have salvation because believers are urged to make their call and an election, sure. Striving to live out their faith and avoid stumbling. That's something we all try to do as we go through our lives. And by doing so, we can have the confidence in our salvation and look forward to an abundant entrance into God's eternal kingdom. Another takeaway is learning the trustworthiness of Scripture. Because in this book, this first chapter, Peter affirms the trustworthiness of the prophetic, the prophetic word and urges believers to heed it as a guiding light. Because prophecy is not a result of human will, but rather holy men of God spoke under the influence of the Holy Spirit. 
and Scripture holds timeless truths and should be carefully considered. Why do you think these people and the de facto and all these little evil demons that are in D.C., they want to do away with the Bible? Why do you think they want it out of the public schools? Why do you think they want it out of the public squares? This is why, folks. And the last thing that we can take away from this reading is the transient nature of life. Well, what's that mean, Jason? Well, as Peter acknowledges his impending death and the temporary nature of this earthly existence that we all live in, he's desiring to leave a lasting reminder for future generations to come so it can be ensured the continuation of understanding and the application of God's teachings. And that is very, very important. So overall, this text highlights the importance of faith, growth in virtue, assurance in salvation, or of salvation, I should say, and the reliability of Scripture, scripture while acknowledging the brevity, uh, the brevity of human life, because it encourages believers to live diligently and embrace the transformative power of the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. Now, as we pivot to the fictions of law, I'm going to read this little section, which again, I posted um, screenshots on Telegram and True Social. So if you had a chance and you wanted to read it earlier, it is posted over there. So, hold on one second, I'll take a quick sip, and then we're going to do a little reading here, and then we'll get into the summary. Okay, so the fictions of law from the Book of the Hundreds. It says, human beings and other humanist creations, human, uh, um, human being was long held objectionable by a few purists, but it is so pervasive today, even in formal writing, that it should be accepted as standard. A Dictionary of Modern Legal Usage, 1987, by Brian A. Garner, page 271. The irony of this statement is that not only have the judges, lawyers, news media, school teachers, etc., convinced everyone that they are a human being and have a human spirit, but that the Christian clergy as well have brought into these fictions of the humanist world. You will not find anywhere in the word of God the terms human or human being used or that God's people are animals. Now, I'm going to pause here from this reading for a second. Although that is true with original scriptures, these new translations that come out, and yes, I hate to say it, my favorite translation, which is the New American Bible Revised Edition, sadly, the word human is in that one. But again, New American Revised Edition, so we're not talking about anything that's ancient here. So we're probably talking about something more ancient, ancient Bibles, right? Older Bibles, real Bibles that weren't really touched very much and painted by man with a thousand different uh, variations. Continuing with the fiction of law. It has become a traditional vehicle by which everyone, servants of the Christ and pagans alike, are lumped into the same category. That category being the animal world of the unregenerate, wicked, sinful, earthly, and dissolute natural man and his rat race. Now, what has been found true about rats may be applied to humans. 
Webster's third new international dictionary unabridged, which was 1981, page 1100, quoting E.E. Slauson. It was not always this way at an earlier time. Before the current degeneration and feminization of the church, a few purists of the Christ being a new man is no longer a human being to wit. The Sabbath as an institute given to men for all ages and dispensations, even including that of paradise, was and is God's mean for maintaining in the human family his knowledge and fear as our maker, ruler, and future judge. But on that, fear all moral institutions repose, the family and the state as truly as the church. Therefore, men are naturally bound to keep the Sabbath simply as men and not only as Christians. After man fell and came to need redemption, the Sabbath was also continued by God as a means of grace and a gospel institute. But this did not repeal or exclude its original use. The professed Christian has two reasons for observing the Sabbath. Every human being has one, the Christian Sabbath, 1854, by Robert L. Dabney. And Robert L. Uh, Robert Dabney, is a highly respected and recognized biblical scholar of the 19th century. And in addition, was the chaplain for the troops under Stonewall Jackson during Lincoln's war. Now, the pointedly clear distinction between Christians and human beings by this purist is a jewel not to be ignored. From the other side of the coin, we have one of the secular definitions and law of what a human being is, explained to us in 1926 by Roscoe Pound, who was a 33rd degree Mason and the dean of Harvard Law School, masquerading under the moral guise through a former Christian college. And I quote, this is what he says. In England, in the rise of the court of chancery and development of equity, ethical ideas from the causes, uh, uh, the casuist literature, or the yeah, the casuist literature of the 16th century, and the general notions of right and wrong held by chancellors who were not common law lawyers were made liberalizing agencies. In continental Europe of the 17th and 18th centuries, the philosophical ideas of jurists, writers upon the law of nature, were used in the same way. Thus, moral duty was turned into legal duty and put in the foreground in place of legal remedy. Reasons was relied upon rather than strict rules. The individual human being as the moral unit became the legal unit. It was conceived that the moral principle simply as such and for that reason was to be also a legal rule. Now, Law and Morals, 1926 by Roscoe Pound, page 30. So goes the benefits of the ungenerate man's morality, reason, and equity. For one side, we have the earlier clergy disclosing to us that one who truly takes on the yoke of Christ is no longer a human being. I'm going to replay that or reread that to you. Very important. Listen up. This is why we need to strive to be bond servants of Jesus Christ. From one side, we have the earlier clergy disclosing to us that one who truly takes on the yoke of Christ, that means being a servant to God and Jesus, right, is no longer a human being. And what a human being really is from the ungodly of Harvard. In spite of it all, we are constantly taught by both the godly and ungodly of today that everyone is a human being and a member of the highest animal species. 
Now, how can this be? What are the consequences of partaking of such heresy? Because the heresy of accepting that which is contrary to how our Father has described us and being brought down to the level of the pagan natural man, Therefore shall the land mourn and shall be diminished with all that dwell in it with the wild beasts of the field and the reptiles of the earth and with the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea shall fail that neither anyone may plead nor anyone reprove another. But my people are as a priest spoken against. Therefore they shall fall by day and the prophet with thee shall fall. I have compared thy mother unto night. My people are like as if they had no knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt not minister as priest to me. I will also forget thy children according to their multitude, so they sinned against me. I turn their glory into shame. That's Hosea chapter 4, verses 3 through 7. Now here is a quote I'm going to read from Matthew Henry's commentaries on these verses. And I quote, The ruin of those who have helped to ruin others will, in a special manner, be intolerable. And did the children think that when they were in danger of falling that their mother would help them? It shall be in vain to expect it, for I will destroy thy mother, Samaria, the mother city, the whole state or kingdom, which is as a mother to every part. It shall all be made silent. Note, when all are involved in guilt, Nothing less can be expected than that should be involved in ruin. Both priest and people rejected knowledge, and justly, therefore, will God reject them. Now, the reason why the people did not learn and the priest did not teach was not because they had not the light, but because they hated it. Not because they had not ways of coming to the knowledge of God and of communicating it, but because they Well, they simply had no heart to it. They rejected it. And they desired not the knowledge of God's ways, but put it from them and shut their eyes against the light. And therefore, I will also reject thee. I will refuse to take cognizance of thee and to own thee. You will not know me, but bid me depart. I will therefore say, depart from me. I know you not. Thou shalt be no priest to me. And the clergy of today are taught at seminary that Christ was both a human being and God, and in turn teach this heresy through the word of God does not teach this. In addition, these Neoplatonic teachers of today tell us that we live under grace, not under law. Now, this doctrine has created the separation, faith and works, but we are told that, and I quote, but wilt thou know, O empty man, that faith apart from works is dead? End quote. Was not Abraham our father justified by works, having offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Thou seest that faith was working with his works, and by works faith was perfected and was fulfilled. And the scripture which says, Now Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him for righteousness, and friend of God he was called. Ye see then that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. That's James Chapter 2, verses 20 through 24. So the recognition of the new man under Christ seems to elude them. And the aspect of the new birth is ignored in favor of the sinful human being only. Their mentality is saying you have repented and you love Jesus is sufficient. 
and you can still go into the world and partake of its lawless activities like commerce and state worship and worship of the founding fathers, right? Pagan holidays like Halloween, Easter, right? Not Resurrection Day, Easter, which is not related to Christ. You know, those pagan holidays, which in turn leaves these teachers free to be utterly lawless, i.e. being a 501c3 corporation or an unincorporated church doing business for profit's sake. And this new religion says that we have no choice but to live in this corrupt old world. Well, no, you do have a choice. But like the humanist, then the new religion sees only the world itself and its fellow human beings. And I say that in quote, human beings, but it has added Jesus in the midst of all of it as a buffer. And I'm quoting H.E. Clerman. He says, there are no absolutes and man must content must contend, content himself with being. Now, until the body of believers are freed of these heresies, the bride is not capable of making herself ready for the bridegroom. He that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be to him God, and he shall be to me son. That is Revelations 21, verse 7. So that is the reading of fiction of law from the Book of the Hundreds. Now, in this text, because again, remember, there's multiple authors that wrote the Book of the Hundreds. Now, the text, the author expresses concern about the acceptance and the prevalence of the term human being in various spheres, including religious institutions and legal systems and philosophical thought. This is why sometimes you'll hear me, ladies and gentlemen, I'll trip up over my own words because I'm trying very hard to eliminate certain words and incorporate the real word. So instead of human being, I try to replace it with man or men and women or people. Because if you actually look up the root word of human being and you really do a straight up digging of the etymology of human being and what that all means and, and the, uh, you get into the, uh, the Latin of it. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, basically it's like, you know, it's, I forgot where I read this from. It was it's one of those, oh, I can't remember if it was a law dictionary or what, but human being was basically like equivalent to a monster. So by them calling us human beings are ultimately, when I say they, the elite, right? The scumbag elites are classifying us as monsters. I mean, it's bad enough they already classify us as chattel and useless eaters. But now, according to a certain definition of human being, we're monsters. And Destry is putting right here in the chat, hue equals color. Which is obviously the first part of the root word of human. And so they argue, uh, yeah, and the color of being. Yeah, the color of being. And so they argue that this adoption of terminology derived from humanist ideas has led to a blurring of distinctions between believers and non-believers alike. And so the author in this particular case highlights the viewpoint 
of certain clergy members who in earlier times understood and emphasized the idea that those who fully embrace the teachings of Christ and become bondsmen in and of the Christ, they transcend their status as human beings. See, this perspective suggests that believers undergo a spiritual transformation and are no longer to be identified solely as human beings. That's right. I'm not a human being. I'm a bondservant of Christ. And so the criticism is directed towards contemporary seminary teachings that ascribe both human and divine attributes to Jesus Christ, because the author contends that this teaching contradicts the word of God, which they argue does not support the notion of Jesus as a human being. Hmm. And so additionally to all this, the text challenges the notion that, you know, the believers are solely under the dispensation of grace, emphasizing the importance of faith and works as exemplified by the teachings of James in the Bible. But as we get a little bit further more in this discussion, the author laments that the perceived compromise of religious principles by contemporary clergy who endorse activities and behaviors that are considered lawless or incompatible with biblical teachings. And they argue that, that, that this, uh, this compromise is facilitated by a mentality that accepts engagement in worldly practices while professing to love Jesus. So basically what they're saying is, you know, you, you got those fence riders, right? One foot on one side and the other foot on the other side. Well, I got news for you. Sometimes there's some rusty nails on that, on the top of that fence and it's going to get you. You can't go living in this world and, and, and think that you can have the, the, the mindset of, oh, well, I'm going to engage in worldly desires, but at the same time, profess the love of Christ. That is so contradictory to, you can't do that. And a rusty nail, you keep riding that fence long enough, is going to get you in some areas that you, it ain't going to feel good, and you're going to get some, get some bad blood poisoning. Rietta just says right here in the chat, he says, if we are lukewarm, he'll vomit us out of his mouth. That's right. You're either hot or you're cold. There's no lukewarm. There ain't no dip in your toe. You're either all in or you're all out. Pick a side. Because like I played the other day with the whole Glenn Beck dream, vision, whatever the heck he had. I mean, he's right. Look, again, I'm not a big fan of Glenn Beck, but he's right when he says we have to pick sides. This The, 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 the atmosphere and climate that we're seeing happen today far supersedes any political thing. Okay, there is so much stuff going on. And when I say stuff, I am being very loose with my words. What I mean by stuff is there is a lot of spiritual warfare activity on the rise. There is a lot going on. The evil forces are turning up the heat because as people start realizing what's going on and they start picking sides and they get off the top of that fence, they either get knocked off one side or knocked off on the other side. They are starting to realize, oh man, there's something messed up here. So, I mean, basically in conclusion to all of what we just kind of read, you know, this text critiques the acceptance of the term human being. Because again, if we're bond servants of Christ, we're not human beings. We're transcended higher than that. 
as a reflection of, you know, again, because the, the term human being is a reflection of a human humanist influence. And it questions certain theological and legal perspectives and highlights a perceived deviation from biblical teachings. And so this author in this particular writing advocates for a return to a more distinct and spiritually grounded understanding of believers, identities, and their actions. Yeah, Olga said it right here best. I like this too, because that's exactly what what this is all about. You're either for me or you're against me. There is a lot going on, folks, and I can't really under, how do I want to say this? I can't, I can't overstate this without sounding like a skipping, repeating record. But we are in a period of time now, folks, where, again, this is why I believe God called me to start this podcast. And I know I'm not the only one that's doing this. There's got to be others out there like me that we just don't know about them. But there's got to be others out there like us that are doing the same thing. We are being activated now because the spiritual realm, and when I say the spiritual realm, I'm talking the little legions of demons that Satan has, has now assembled himself. And they're cranking up the heat because they know that their time is limited and the, the, the people of Christ and God are raising their vibrational levels. The light is shining brighter than ever. And they know that their, excuse my language, their asses are going to be left behind. As we ascend ourselves and ascend this earth into, you know, into the heaven on earth that we all are looking for or trying to aspire to. And so they're cranking up the heat and they are trying to attack like nobody's business. It's insane. My wife and I have been experiencing these attacks. It's insane. You know, seven, eight years ago, I would have thought you were nuts. But, you know, had it not been for experiencing what we've been experiencing over the last five, six years. Yeah, no, it's real. It's freaking real. And it's not a joke, guys. It's not a joke. And I know the main people who come here and listen. I know you know this because I know a lot of you have dealt with the same stuff. So I know I'm not in I'm not in company by myself here. I know a lot of you have dealt with this stuff too. So I know if you're dealing with this stuff, that means you guys are the good bonds men and women for Jesus Christ. And they know when I say they, who's they? The evil legions of demons, the evils of this world, they know that their butts are about to get handed to them by the good forces of God and Jesus Christ. You know, we had quite a weekend over the weekend, like I said, with our Michigan General General Assembly. And I'm not going to get into the details of that because that's a private meeting. I will say this, though. I'm still excited for what's to come. No matter what outcomes were with the election, I'm still excited to see what's to come. I used to allow myself to get bent out of shape and worried and have anxiety riddle my mind. Day in and day out. Ask Destry. Destry's on the chat. He'll put it in there. I always ask him, like, Destry, are we good? I mean, I feel like I feel like that there's no hope. Are we doing all right? Like he he's probably laughing because he's no he knows it's true. I'd call him up like a lost little child. I'm like, Destry, reel me in, man. Are we good? Like, what's going on? Like, I feel like we're losing it here. Like, man, I, I just I just want to give up, man. I want to give up. Like he knows. Look, I'm I'm you know, I'm not perfect. I had a lot of seeds of doubt sown in my head, but you know what? I am at a point now 
where I know what's up. I know now internally in my heart and in my soul what's coming. And what's coming is going to be good. It's going to be great. It's going to be glorious. And it's going to be far out of what is conceived or perceivable in our own minds. And Destry makes a very good comment here. Oh, it's always darkest before the sun rises. That is absolutely right. It is always darkest before the sun rises. So remember, folks, yes, there are some challenges that we're facing right now spiritually. There are lots of things that seem uncertain still. It even might seem to a degree like we are in a stale kind of position, right? Like we're at a stalemate, right? I know you guys are probably feeling it. It's like, okay, I know stuff's happening, but it feels like we are going nowhere, right? That's what you guys are feeling, right? And Rietta was saying, yes, I have felt that lately. I know you have. A lot of us have. I'm going to tell you right now, it's working. God is working, and I wish I could expel more. And I don't mean to put this out as a teaser. This is not to be meant as a teaser. Please, please, please understand that. This is not meant to be a teaser. But God is working in a very miraculous way. He's activating many people especially the men in our assembly here in this state. They're going online, if you know what I mean. This Holy Spirit's working in more people than you can even imagine. I was hearing just today, you know, I don't even, uh, I'm going to leave that maybe for a different day. I'll say this. There was three members within our state assembly that we just figured, I just I just heard this today, as a matter of fact. That's actually one of the reasons why I was late on, on the podcast, because I was on a phone call having uh, Katie being told this, because it was very interesting to hear this. But we've had a couple members, a few members actually, that uh, don't really, that they're fairly new. But it's very interesting, some of the, some of the um, what do I want to say, some of the visions, I will say that they had. And when I say some of the visions, I mean, they've all had similar visions and premonitions, if you will, that were very closely related to one another. And we're not talking about members that typically talk on a, on a, on a regular basis. In fact, a couple of them don't even know each other very well, but yet their visions and premonitions were very closely related. It's like, whoa, Again, can't really share much, but it's very, very intriguing. And it just, it, a lot of the stuff that's going on is just, it, it, it's, you could tell God's working. That's all I can really say. It's, it's amazing. It really is amazing. So if you feel like we're at a stalemate, it's fine. Don't, 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 don't lose hope. It's, it's, you, here's the important thing I can tell you. Keep focused on God Keep focused on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because remember, God is sovereign. Jesus is sovereign. Focus on being a loyal bondservant to Jesus Christ. 
because that is the authority that we follow. That is the authority. That is our king. That is how we rule and how we self-govern ourselves is with the authority of God and Jesus Christ. And that is the whole purpose of this book, The Hundreds. But God is definitely answering prayers. I know you guys can't see what I'm seeing right now. I wish you could see what I'm seeing. But God is moving, and he's going to move more mountains and keep in prayer and keep asking God for discernment. He's going to show you things. I know he will. I know he will. Destry just sent me <laughs> Destry just sent me a picture. Uh, Destry, permission to share this on on Telegram. This is amazing. Destry has a pizza box that has pizza in it. What's this called? Great Alaska Pizza Company. He says, uh, let me go back to the message real quick. It says, uh, my little friend just showed up and this little squirrel is making himself a He's making himself a meal out of Destry's Pizza. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to share that on, on, on Telegram. That's great. That is absolutely. Hey, look, squirrels got to eat too, man. You know, squirrels got to eat too. You know, you should throw out a little bit of cheesy bread out there for him, a little marinara sauce for him to dip in. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Oh, feeding Alaskan squirrels great Alaskan pizza. What a country. I tell you, what a country. But anyway, there's good stuff coming, folks. No matter what you think is happening, no matter how stale it feels, it is happening. And no, this is not that, you know, I don't want to say it. it's not fake hopium. Just, just keep praying. That's all I'm going to tell you. Just keep praying and hang tight. All right. It's going to be good. Um, like I said, my, my constant bugging destry oh, are we almost there yet i feel like we're losing all like all that i i've that's all gone because I, I i i see the bigger picture it's all gone and i don't worry about it anymore like i said you know what i've been doing folks every day when i go to work and i say my morning prayers every time when i say my prayers i always say father I worry not about tomorrow. I worry not about next week or next month or next year. And I certainly don't worry about the following, you know, the next decade. I don't worry about any of it anymore because you know why? Because everything works perfectly according to God's plan and will. And it's going to happen when it happens. And when it happens, it's going to be like, boom. Whoa. It's going to come out of left field and we're going to be like, wow, what the heck just happened? So stay tuned, stay posted, but most importantly, stay in prayer with God. Seek his face. Ask Christ to always be in your heart. That's what's going to be important for the time being. What's he say in the Bible? Peace be still and know that I am God, right? Isn't that what it says somewhere there in the scriptures? Peace be still and know that I am God, right? So just be still and know that he is God and he's got this. 
So let's get into prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we want to come to you today with a humble heart, with humble hearts, and we seek your divine blessings and your guidance, and we ask for good health for both ourselves and for our loved ones. May our bodies be strong and our minds clear, and, and we ask that our spirits be uplifted during these times of you know uncertainty for a lot of us. Grant us the strength to overcome any illnesses or challenges that we may face and bring healing to those in need. We also offer prayers for those who are unable to pray for themselves, who may be suffering silently or facing difficulties beyond their control. And may your love and grace embrace them and provide peace and relief. And we ask that they find comfort in your presence and experience healing in every aspect of their lives. And lastly, we express our gratitude for the blessings that you bestow upon us. And, and we acknowledge the hidden prayer within our hearts. And we ask that you acknowledge the hidden prayers of others and, and their hopes and their desires that they hold dear. And, and overall, we thank you, Father, for all the goodness and abundance in our lives, both seen and unseen. And, and we know you're there. We know you're working and we are working for you because we are your bondservants. And, and in your infinite wisdom and compassion, we just ask that you hear our prayers and help bring comfort to us and healing. And again, we, we are constantly grateful for our lives and the lives of those that we hold dear. And Rietta adds to the prayer, Lord, thank you for those reminders that you have this. Father, we do know that you are hearing our prayers and answering them. Father, please continue to give us your wisdom and discernment. And thank you. That, and thank you that you prompted Jason to encourage us today. Lord, get, forgive us when we go through doubt. In your son's, holy son's name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. Let me share this with you, too. The message that I had today was not only prompted by God, but it was also prompted by other people who are led by God. Good, godly men and women who really, truly have a love for country and and, and Father, and, and Jesus, right? I mean, this, this was inspired by other people that um, are close in my circles. So you could say that a lot of what's going on is really working together in a very well-oiled machine, and it's only going to continue to ramp up with momentum, and it's really going to about to crank up. It's more and more people need to get involved, and it's getting there. It's, it's actually getting there. It's, it's, it's quite amazing and remarkable to see. And Michigan is going to pack a punch, baby. Michigan and Alaska both are going to pack a punch. It's going to be amazing. Before we play my outro song for the show here, I do have a song that came to me. I haven't heard this song in a while. I want to play it. It's a little bit out of the elements of what we've typically been playing. It kind of goes, no, Rihanna, it's not disco, but I, you know what? I think I'll have to put a little disco here in the mix here pretty soon because it's been a while. I think it's been a while. But this song kind of takes me back into my DJing days. And the reason I'm playing this song, because I have played this song, and this was actually a song I used to listen to when I was uh, part of a running club in Florida. And whenever I would run, this was a song that would always get me amped up. Now, it's a good song. Um, it's by Swedish House Mafia. It's called Don't You Worry, Child. And it's a good song, good lyrics, but
but it's got that EDM feel to it. And the reason I'm playing this is because we just had this music festival here in West Michigan called Electric Forest. Oh my goodness God. There were so many people and hippies from all over the country gathering here in my little town, not really my little town, but our little area here, right up the road by about a few miles, 30 miles, 20 miles. And, and, and according to like, you know, real, you know, distance wise, that's not that far. We had people from California, New Mexico, Colorado, Jersey, Maine, Florida. We had people from all over the freaking country flooding our little area here which was a huge music festival that happens once a year, every year, this time of year called electric forest. And that's when all the hippies come up and overtake the roads and oh man, it's crazy. And today the can the concert let out. So now they all head South and they just clogged up the roadways. I'm like, Oh dear God, I need to remember to take sick days on these days, the days they, you know, the day that they had North, which was Thursday. And then the days that they had south to leave, which was Monday today. Oh, man, they were everywhere. They were everywhere. But anyways, it's a big EDM concert. Apparently, Shaquille O'Neal was over there, and uh, he was spinning some sets, apparently. I didn't know that. I just heard that this morning. Uh, one of my coworkers was like, yeah, did you hear Shaquille O'Neal was over there spinning some sets? I'm like, dude, I don't even keep up with that world anymore. I don't care, but uh, cool, you know, <laughs> whoopee. You know, none of that really amazes me anymore, you know, because it's just, again, I've stepped away from that world. I stepped away from worldly stuff like that. But this particular song I want to play by Swedish House Mafia, which, by the way, I do not have rights to, but I wanted to play that. I wanted to play this song. It's a good song. It's called Don't You Worry, Child. So God bless, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to these lyrics because this really resonates for tonight's theme. Don't you worry. There was a time I used to look into my father's eyes In a happy home I was a king, I had a golden throne Those days are gone Now the memories on the wall I hear the songs From the places where I was born Upon a hill across the blue lake That's where I have my first heartbreak I still remember how it all changed My father said Don't you worry, don't you worry, child See, heaven's got a plan for you Don't you worry, don't you worry Now, I know you all are putting your fist in the, in the air. You're doing that fist bump. Get it going. There was a time I met a girl of a different kind. 
we rule the world I thought I'd never lose her out of sight We were as we are I think of her now and then I still hear the songs Reminded me of a friend Remember, ladies and gentlemen, remember, ladies and gentlemen, we are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. The enemy has crossed that line for the last time. It is up to people like you and I to hold that line. They've crossed the line way too many times, and it is time for us to stand up this republic and get after it. We gotta do this for God. We gotta do this for our families. We gotta do this for America, for the voiceless. It's time to get after it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining the show.
Don't forget to check out the website, www.hishardline.com. And if you want to know more about how to get involved with your assembly, go to www.national-assembly.net. That's www.national-assembly.net. It's time to get active, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go. Joining us here at His Heart Line. We'll see you back here next time.